Welcome to the Abundant Wellness with Andrea podcast from surviving to thriving in mind, body, and spirit. Hey there, I'm Andrea Jones, registered nurse, functional hormone coach, inner healing and deliverance pastor, and most importantly, wife and mother of two beautiful girls. This podcast is really a conversation about how to discover and walk in an abundant life that God has laid out for us while processing what I call the messy middle, pain and overcoming things in our life that are hard in order to nurture all of the parts of you so that you can walk in abundant wellness in all areas. everyone and welcome to another episode of the Abundant Wellness Podcast. Today I'm going to be sharing with you five ways to prioritize cortisol balancing for the winter, why you might need or want to do this, and some just very specific ways that we can begin supporting our bodies through the winter months, which looks very, very different um, than through the summer months. And in today's episode, I am going to be talking primarily to my female audience, but a lot of these strategies will work for men as well. Um, And I want to kind of share this from the perspective of something that I have learned, but also observed in a lot of my perimenopausal clients. So women who are somewhere between the ages of 35 and 45, um, who maybe have not gone through through menopause yet, but are really struggling with some very, um, what I would consider uh, significant clinical patterns of cortisol imbalancing. And my hope is that in your listening to this, it will actually, number one, uh, prevent long-term frustrations, um, prevent uh, chronic cortisol issues um, in the future, or help you correct some of those cortisol issues now. So in my practice, primarily um, as a registered nurse, as a functional hormone practitioner, one of the main ways that I get a really good idea of what is happening with somebody's individual cortisol patterns is actually through the Dutch Hormone Panel. And I've included a link um, in the show notes with some more information about what all is included, what all gets covered in the Dutch Hormone Panel, if you're wanting some more information about that. Um, But basically, in a nutshell, the Dutch Hormone Panel stands for Dried Urine Metabolites of Hormones. Essentially, that that is what the Dutch Hormone Panel is. So we are not just looking at what they typically would look at with a blood panel. Uh, We're not looking at that. What we're looking at is um, the entirety of your progesterone production, estrogen, testosterone, androgen hormones, cortisol patterning, meaning is there a funky cortisol pattern happening from the brain level or the adrenal level, but it also gives us a picture on if there's some funky um, adrenal issues um, that are coming from the digestive tract. So we know that uh, inflammation can actually cause significant adrenal issues for women. Um, and so we want to make sure that we can correct that as soon as we can, um, especially if you are in your mid to late 30s, because as you get closer to menopause, the more your adrenals are going to have to take over 
the role of what your estrogen and progesterone are not able to produce anymore. So your adrenals actually take over that job. And if they are overproducing cortisol or underproducing, um, or they're flatlined, which is very common for women in menopause, um, it's going to make your menopause extremely difficult and uncomfortable. And we want to avoid that as much as possible. So when I am working with somebody in their mid-30s, maybe early 40s, and you know they're telling me they're having difficulties losing weight, they're not sleeping through the night like they used to, they're waking up between 2 to 4 o'clock in the morning, they're feeling jittery, anxious, um, and then extremely fatigued throughout the day, or they're feeling really wired at bedtime, sometimes feeling a little bit panicky, um, and again, you know, some energy issues and weight, uh, difficulty losing weight, my very first thought is there's something going on with their cortisol. Um, and I will just tell you, clinically speaking, nine times out of ten, this will not show up on a saliva or a blood test. So I would just encourage you, if you are the listener, if you have suspected cortisol issues and you've had the lab testing done, you've had saliva testing or blood testing done, and it has not shown that there's anything wrong with you, don't brush that off. It's uh, it's an error in the testing. It is not an error in you. Um, and again, we catch this, you know, a lot more closely on the Dutch hormone panel. So, so what we typically do when a woman comes to me with these complaints, and maybe she's also having, you know, she may or may not be having some issues with her cycle as well. She may be having painful periods, heavy periods. Uh, typically, we with high cortisol, we see a lot of issues with. Um, either estrogen dominance symptoms or low progesterone symptoms as well um, because you can only have cortisol imbalances for so long before it starts to impact your other hormones. So I like to get a really, really, really good picture of what is going on with not just, you know, where your body's producing those hormones, but what is the overall picture of dysfunction that's happening in your body um, because when we can uh, get a really good picture of where to start we can actually come up with a really good game plan for addressing your hormone imbalances so again if that's you if that resonates with you and you're like yes that is absolutely something I need to do then make sure to click um, the link in the show notes um, you can get registered for the Dutch Hormone Panel, and we will get you on our schedule to get you working through those issues. Um, but I wanted to share with you today in this episode five ways to actually support a normal cortisol production and a normal cortisol metabolism throughout the winter. So a lot of times it's actually easier to support our, you know, a healthy cortisol balance during the summer because we've got more sunlight outside, you know, we're more able to maybe go outside and walk um, to help regulate our cortisol levels. Um, we tend to have a little bit more energy during the summer to take care of ourselves. It's easier to eat salads and things that are more nourishing for our adrenal glands. Um, that's a lot harder to do, especially for those of us that live in the Pacific Northwest. Um, it can just, you know, we have darker days. Um, we're not getting that sunlight stimulation of our pineal gland in the morning that we really need 
um, to establish a healthy circadian rhythm. Um, so I'm going to walk you through five things that I do to help support my cortisol throughout the winter. Um, and in hopes that, you know, if you're in kind of a crisis place, you'll be able to implement some of these strategies to start moving forward. Um, if you're not in a crisis place, then hopefully um, these strategies will help prevent long-term issues with cortisol imbalancing um, so that we can, uh, you know, feel our best all, all month long, but also throughout the year. So the very first thing that we want to understand is that uh, cortisol actually works in conjunction with our circadian rhythm. So our circadian rhythm, uh, basically in a nutshell, is our wake-sleep cycle. Um, and that starts off first and foremost with the stimulation of our pineal gland through sunlight. Um, and again, we know that because of daylight savings and maybe depending on where you live, you are going to be getting less sunlight during the winter. Maybe the sun doesn't really come up until 7 or 8 where you live and it sets obviously much earlier, which can lead to other issues as well. So one of the things that I really like to do is I like to, um, I have my sun lamp, um, which there's a link with a discount um, for you if you're wanting to get a sun lamp, um, but essentially... What a sun lamp does is it's stimulating the pineal gland um, into waking up that circadian rhythm because remember what we do during the daytime is going to absolutely influence our cortisol levels and how we sleep throughout the night. So if you are having uh, early morning wakes up, wake ups like between 2 and 4 or you're having difficulty settling down and falling asleep at nighttime or you're waking up feeling jittery or anxious, um, that's a really good indicator that there is a, a cortisol issue that's inhibiting your sleep. It's preventing you from getting really good quality sleep. And when we have sleep issues, we have to look at what's happening in the daytime that would be then impacting that 24-hour cycle. So one of the best things you can do is either get direct sunlight within 30 minutes of waking up, whether that's sitting next to a window, uh, making sure that um, that sunlight is hitting your eyeballs, uh, whether you're reading a book, you know, or or just sitting there um, in meditation or prayer, getting that sunlight in your eyeballs to stimulate that circadian rhythm is super super important. Um, and I found even within about you know a week or two of using my sun lamp that not only do I feel the mood benefits of that, but I also see that shift in my sleep, which is really important. The second thing that I do that has really helped me personally because I still have young, young-ish children, um, I know that if I don't eat before they wake up, I'm going to, you know, delay my meal by probably two and a half hours, um, meaning not until after I get them to school. And that is really not an ideal situation um, if you have any kind of cortisol issues because cortisol issues will cause blood sugar dysregulation and blood sugar dysregulation can cause all kinds of things from, you know, dizziness to anxiety to mood issues. Um, and I've noticed for me personally that when my cortisol is in a really, really sensitive place, um, even if I'm not feeling it significantly throughout the day, I absolutely will feel it um, come evening, bedtime, you know, I'll tend to have night waking, etc. And that's just really not ideal. So for me, what I have found is that I wake up before my kids about 30 minutes. Um, I turn my sun lamp on. I grab my breakfast. I sit there and I eat my breakfast in the quiet. Um, if you are a mom of young children, I cannot stress this enough. Um, it is 
it is very difficult to get our body out of fight or flight or out of this high cortisol situation when we are eating under stress. And I don't know if, you know, we may not feel necessarily stressed out. Maybe we're used to um, being really busy during mealtimes and having our kids constantly interrupt us and etc. But that is still a physiologic stressor. And so as much as you can, not striving for perfection, but just some kind of middle ground here, finding at least one meal of the day that you can eat without interruptions or with quiet. Um, and so for me, that has meant waking up before my children, eating a good breakfast, meaning 20 to 30 grams of protein, some healthy fats, and maybe some you know good carbohydrates. For some reason, I love sweet potatoes in the morning. Um, you know, I roast them in my air fryer. I salt them. Um, and then I usually have some sort of protein with that as well. And that sets me off for a really good day with my cortisol and um, blood sugar regulation. So best thing you can do <clears throat> is get, you know, nutshell out of that is really eating breakfast within about 30 minutes of waking up. If you have um, any kind of cortisol dysregulation issues, that is a huge, huge priority for you. Um, at a minimum, if you cannot eat, you know, before your kids are awake and you're getting busy for the day, then at a minimum, please avoid caffeine that early in the morning. It will absolutely spike your cortisol and make you feel miserable throughout the day. So, um, the third thing that I do to really help to balance my cortisol in the winter is actually checking in with my body on a daily basis. And I know that this sounds really, really woo woo. Uh, it's not woo-woo or weird. God made your body. He made us to be good stewards of our body. Um, I know for myself, just raising a child with pandas, pediatric autoimmune, neuropsychiatric disorder from strep, um, my body was in a pretty high state of stress for many years. Um, I had to ignore a lot of what my body was feeling in order to just handle the day-to-day -day needs of my child. Now, this is not really that abnormal for moms in general. I feel like, you know, a lot of us, we we choose to ignore um, that we have to pee. We choose to ignore that we're really hungry. You know, we choose to ignore or we have to ignore that we're really tired because the needs of our family precede what, um, what our needs are. But I would just encourage you... Um, as you're working on these cortisol issues, maybe set an alarm on your phone. Hey, do a quick body scan. Do I feel any stress in my, you know, in my chest, in my gut, in my shoulders, in my face? Um, and take a few minutes to really take some big, deep breaths. Uh, when I say big, deep breaths, I mean like breathe in to where your belly expands. Hold your breath for about five to, excuse me, five to six seconds. Um, <clears throat> And then breathe out slowly through your mouth. This is called box breathing. And what it does is it actually helps to reset the vagus nerve or calm down the vagus nerve. And that will impact your cortisol levels. So I like to do this while I'm driving. Um, I like to do this you know, on lunch breaks, on breaks between clients. Just take a couple of minutes to really breathe. Um, but at a minimum, checking in with your body. Where am I holding tension? Uh, where am I holding stress? This um, this is a huge key because, again, most of us, especially Americans, especially women, especially moms, we tend to ignore our body's signals, and then that manifests as sleep issues, anxiety issues, and mood issues, and those are things that we need to address. 
The fourth thing that I cannot stress enough is actually switching to decaffeinated coffee, decaffeinated tea. Um, caffeine is one of the worst possible things that you can ingest if you are having in any kind of cortisol imbalance issues. Um, and this is really important because, um, because what ends up happening, especially if you're drinking it on an empty stomach, um, caffeine not only stimulates the brain, but it actually stimulates the adrenal glands to produce cortisol, which gives you that boost of energy initially, but then it tanks, right? And then you feel maybe irritable or shaky or moody later in the afternoon or just really, really tired. Um, and so it's really important, in my opinion, um, I've never had a client, you know, go off of the rails by switching to decaf. In fact, um, for many of my clients, it's actually exposed that there really are some chronic adrenal issues that we need to be addressed. Some of some of you listeners are actually masking um, significant adrenal issues um, because you're relying on caffeine that gives you this false sense of energy, right? Um, and then you think, oh, I'm doing totally fine, but you need that caffeine to get through the day, which tells us that your adrenals are actually not doing as well as you think they are. So uh, as quickly as you can, switching to decaf would be uh, a high, high priority. And then the fifth thing that I recommend for balancing your cortisol is going to bed early. Um, and I know that this is hard for a lot of moms. I know it was hard for, you know, a lot of my clients that I work with. Um, but getting to bed somewhere between 9.30 and 10 p.m. will make a world of difference uh, for your cortisol functioning. It stimulates your brain to relax. It helps your body to calm down. Um, it trains your brain that, hey, we're okay. This is good to sleep. We are good to move forward in sleeping. Um, and sleep is imperative if we are wanting to address cortisol imbalances. Um, I guess I want to add a sixth thing in here now that I'm thinking about it because um, I have noticed for myself um, that I've really had to learn to pay attention to my hunger cues. So if you have been trained in the diet culture that most of us in our 30s have experienced, it's no snacks, before bed, don't eat anything after 7 p.m. But what we know for women's hormones is that's not really the case. Um, most women, especially if they have cortisol dysregulation, need they may need something before bedtime. So if you notice, you know, around 8:30 or 9 o'clock, you're feeling hungry. Um, don't deny that hunger. I would grab some kind of snack with protein or fat. Um, and help uh, help to that will help to regulate your blood sugar throughout the nighttime and you may actually notice less nighttime waking, less waking up at 3 or 4 a.m. with anxiety, less irritability, fatigue, etc. So I hope that these tips encouraged you. Um, these are all things that I help my clients with on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Um, but if you uh, you know if you're trying a lot of these things or you're just like I just don't know which strategy is going to work the best for me, um, you want to know where your cortisol levels are at and how that's impacting your overall hormones, your periods, etc. Um, then I would encourage you to sign up for a Dutch hormone panel with me so we can get to the bottom of what's really going on. Thank you so much for listening and I hope this helped you today.